0: Welcome back, I'm Jared Johnson, and here's what's gonna go down today. We have the flavor of the Week about Walmart Health's announcement that they're opening 16 clinics in Florida in 2023. Is their strategy coming off life support at the right time? And will this move revive their ambitions to set a new standard for consumer experience? I'll talk about that. Then Justin Wartell is in the house to walk us through Monocle's newest humanizing brand experience report. Their extensive research identifies personas in ways that healthcare leaders can use to design consumer-first experiences. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. It looks like Walmart Health might be coming off life support. On October 26th, Walmart announced that they will be opening 16 new clinics in Florida in 2023. That will increase their total footprint by 50%. They currently operate 32 clinics, including 8 openings in 2022. Now, it's not like Walmart's been silent regarding healthcare, acquiring telehealth provider MeMD, announcing their 10-year partnership with United Healthcare's Optum arm for Medicare Advantage enrollees, and most recently, opening the Walmart Healthcare Research Institute for patients in rural and under- of communities to participate in clinical research. But this is an expectations game, and they've been blasted for the last couple of years for being mired in boardroom purgatory that has ground their once grand ambitions to a halt. Where they once spoke of a nationwide rollout of thousands of clinics by the end of the decade, we've been left to wonder if there's any juice left at all. This comes at an interesting time when CVS and Walgreens are announcing big moves. Walgreens has suggested a move into healthcare technology, and CVS is expected to expand into primary care with an acquisition before the end of the year, which comes on top of their purchase of Signify Health. Here's my take. First, my stance on Walmart Health hasn't necessarily changed. From the consumer's standpoint, the experience at these clinics sets a new standard. They report that wait times are approximately half the US average, and more than 96% of patients reported that they felt cared for. I feel like we need big disruptors like this to continue at the front of the charge if we expect to see real progress. Second, it's hard to ignore the potential power of scale. I mean, how many health systems are going to be opening 16 new locations in 2023? Dr. Cheryl Pegas, Executive Vice President of Walmart Health and Wellness, once said that most of America lives within 10 miles of a Walmart, which makes us uniquely positioned to deliver the right care at the right time in the right way. We are proud to bring our size and scale to make it simple to live healthier. Size, scale, and simplicity. She came right out and said it third they're competing on access and cost as i mentioned a few weeks ago those aren't things where hospitals typically score well dr david Carmouche, their senior vice president of omni channel care offerings said with these 16 new walmart health centers across the state even more floridians will have easy access to a wide range of high quality health services at convenient hours and easy to understand prices There it is again, coming right out and flexing on convenience and ease. He didn't use the word transparent regarding pricing. He said easy to understand. Experience, scale, convenience, access, and ease. These are all essential parts of the disruption equation. And while they've been in a coma for a while, Walmart appears to be waking up at perhaps just the right time. What do I often say? Any step in this direction is a victory for consumers. It's time to re-examine how to use experience, scale, and convenience to disrupt ourselves before someone else does it for us. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Let's get into the flow, everybody. Give it up for Justin Wartell. Justin's the managing principal at Monocle. They're a brand experience agency that so many of you know and have worked with. And we just want to welcome Justin to the Healthcare Wrap. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well, Jared. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And you mentioned you are in the beautiful state of Colorado. This time of year has got to be something else. How are the leaves
1: changing there? It's incredibly beautiful out in this part of the world at this time of year. We've got folks headed out into the mountains checking out the aspen trees that are all changing color. It's quite beautiful. And also still warm, which is both good and maybe not so good as the winter snows and skiing season approaches.
0: Justin, we want to give people a little bit of a chance to get to know you better. What else do you want our listeners to know about you and your bio?
1: Oh, I appreciate that. So I oversee all of our work at Monaco in the healthcare space, which for us is increasingly becoming as much healthcare delivery as it is this broader definition of healthcare and wellness. Although for me, I'm, uh, I guess, relatively new to healthcare. I grew up in the retail and consumer packaged goods business of one of the big holding company branding agencies. So a perspective that evolved working with the Procter & Gamble's and Michael's and Best Buy's of the world, thinking through how consumers engage with products, how shoppers engage in stores and online. And it brought some of that expertise to Monagle where we... We work both inside and outside of healthcare, but about half of our work is for healthcare and wellness brands that are trying to better understand what they stand for, why people should care about it, and then how they go ahead and deliver experiences to support those ideas.
0: Well, yeah, I imagine that helps round out your perspective and having some work, whether by yourself or by the, the broader team there that's some in healthcare and some outside of it. Do you find that as well, like that that balance helps?
1: It does, because what we have a, a relatively unique perspective that we bring to the table is not only what are the best-in-class healthcare brands doing, but what are the best-in-the-world global brands doing. When you think of organizations we work with like Salesforce and Adobe and Microsoft, they are thinking about brand in a very different way oftentimes in a more interconnected way across the enterprise. And some of that thinking is what we try to bring into our work in healthcare. How do we help brand become not something that sits just within a marketing capability, but instead is something that works across disciplines, kind of horizontally within an organization. Those kinds of of enterprises where brand is a part of everyone's job and a part of everyone's responsibilities are, are some of those strongest brands that you and I probably connect with and interact with and respect when it comes to the healthcare landscape.
0: Well, you know, I want to recognize how big of an effort that is and, and how much work it takes to get to that point and improve those efforts. And so no doubt, you know, the the work that you and the, and, and your team there and all your partners, uh, that you, you're doing a lot of good working in this area. So we're going to get into that. Uh, I, I'd love to kind of break the ice a little bit here with you by asking you about somebody you look up to and why,
1: this can be personally or professionally. It's such an interesting thing to think about. For me, it is much more on the personal side. And the person I I look up to so much, especially with some of what she's doing right now, is my wife, Sarah. She is a yoga therapist by training and grew up teaching yoga across the country, running studios. And she started to transition that work from a yoga therapy perspective into a series of tools and resources for people that she's calling Cards to Cope. And it's about how individuals can use micro techniques relative to yoga, meditation, journaling to address the challenges that we all face in our lives, both the big things and the smaller things. And I'm just so inspired by the commitment to putting these tools into people's hands and helping them to use them in a productive way, helping to address what so many face from a mental health perspective, from an opportunities to improve their their outlook, their mindset. It's just an incredibly inspiring idea to see all this work come to life in the format of, of cards to cope, something she's both passionate about, but also just an expert in, given her work from a yoga therapy perspective.
0: Oh, I love that. I will tell you isn't it just great that we're even talking about this stuff more often? Like our our personal well being in so many different ways that even just a couple of years ago we weren't talking about very much.
1: It is. The the destigmatization of mental health, I think, in general, helps all everyone to be so much more comfortable, but also more importantly, opens up more resources for people. And we see that whether we're talking about a situation like like her project Cards to Cope, or with healthcare brands that are thinking about making mental health a much more central part of what they're offering in the communities that they serve. I, I think it's such an incredible and important evolution in our sociocultural mindset, especially.
0: That's awesome. Well, we'll have to drop a link to that in the show notes, but uh, thanks for sharing, because that's, that's awesome. I love that we can infuse that into the discussion today. With that, what we want to dive into a little bit is where healthcare leaders, especially those in care delivery organizations, health systems, hospitals, I'd say provider groups, and even broaden that out to others in the healthcare delivery ecosystem. So even you know even health plans, life science organizations. We want to talk about leadership in those organizations, and, and start off by by looking at what they're doing right when it comes to addressing consumers' needs. You mentioned some of the brand experience ecosystem outside of care delivery. I know how easy it is, and you know how easy it is to kind of get stuck in our ways of doing things in the past and just assuming that consumers are okay with a less than desirable experience. And what we're learning, I feel like overall with the industry is that I know there are a lot of opportunities for improvement here. But let's start off talking about like what those things are. Like, What are some of the things that you see that healthcare leaders are doing right when it comes to addressing consumers' needs?
1: It's really so so varied across the board, everything from more subtle to much more direct and directed. I think when you look at more of the subtle side, organizations that do a great job becoming more consumer-oriented, they use the language. I think, Jared, as you probably encounter with many of the folks that you're talking to as well, consumer is still in some organizations in either misunderstood or in some cases even a dirty word. So On that indirect side, just being able to use the language around consumer and the understanding that people are more than just a patient. and In our minds, we're not in any way trying to deprioritize the importance of that patient interaction. It's just the realization that there's more to it. It's a place where we bring that expertise from a consumer packaged goods perspective. Uh, Procter & Gamble, about 15 years ago... We were working on a project in a former life where we helped to illuminate that a consumer and a shopper are very different mindsets when they engage with Procter & Gamble's brands. And so you think about what that means for us in healthcare. It's this understanding that consumer is a big and broad uh, association. There's also an identity that people have as a patient. And we have to think about it through the lens of consumer and patient. So I think one of the things consumer-leaning organizations are doing or just having that conversation about consumers and starting to tee up some of the nuances of consumers versus versus patients. It's subtle and it's it's driven by the vocabulary, but it's really a starting point if you want to start to change the dialogue internally or the narrative internally around what being consumer-oriented really means.
0: I think we are on the right track as an industry to even be talking about this. And when we talk about that broader effort of consumer transformation that we will make progress as the more we recognize the importance of it, like you just mentioned. So that's a key, like that has to happen for us to make progress. Now, what about the flip side of that? Where are some of those challenges remaining? Where do we still need improvement overall about addressing consumers' needs?
1: I think the, the first part comes down to being more comfortable listening to consumers. So often, despite the fact that, that the idea of data collection or research in the industry has transformed so fundamentally and has become more accessible and at ever lower costs, for many of us, we're not out talking to and listening to our consumers. We've gotten much, much better at listening to patients. But if you start to think about the consumers in the broader context of their communities, we just got to be able to to listen. I think that orientation and comfort with listening is still something that we're learning or building into our muscle memory. The other challenge that I think we're finding is when organizations are implementing more consumer focused solutions, whether it's a, a digital technology that enables more direct access for scheduling or. The way that we're encouraging and connecting people with their electronic health record and their their health data directly, sometimes we are not willing to give enough time for consumers to learn. And we look at it very quickly as a failure in the way that we've executed a particular program or a solution because there's not been enough time to really impact the behavior change that we were hoping for. This transformation, and love the phrase that you were using around consumer transformation, that whole idea takes time. We were chatting before we got started today, the idea that digital transformation 10, 15 years ago was a very different concept. We were talking over a 10 to 15 year time horizon. We're probably looking at something similar here. So we have to have a level of patience if we're going to help our organizations, our leaders, especially our CEOs and CFOs to get more comfortable and confident that this is the long game and that we have to make sure that our movement toward a consumer transformation is is stepwise and consistent and progresses meaningfully over that longer time horizon.
0: Yeah, when we really do compare it to, like you said, digital transformation 10 years ago or so, even longer than that, there's a lot of similarities. And it is interesting standing on this vantage point, kind of looking out and saying, you know what, a lot of the the counter-arguments to like why are we spending time in, on these types of experiences and initiatives? Why do we have to reorganize around that? Why does everyone need to know or care about that? Whether you know a marketing team, a strategy team, a digital team, an IT team, uh, there are a lot of teams that are involved in interacting with and understanding consumers. And I do think that's one reason why it hasn't uh, gotten to a mature point as a practice or a focus area. For most healthcare organizations, just because we're still understanding what that means and what the parts are and, and what skills and competencies do you need. And those all were things that had to happen for digital transformation to progress. So, yeah, yeah, you're spot on there, I think. And to that point, one part of that is understanding who we're talking about when we say consumers, I'm learning there are pros and cons of even using the word consumers. We've talked about it on the show here a lot about how that doesn't necessarily go down well sometimes with providers because they want to focus on patients as the word that we use because they feel like that provides more dignity to the work that they do and just honors the care that they're providing. And I do think there's something to be said about that. On the other side, consumer means a lot of different things, and there are a lot of different types with a lot of different approaches and perspectives with healthcare. And it seemed like that was one of the things that was at the foundation of the most recent research report that Mongol did about humanizing the brand experience and we actually talked about it for, for a little bit for the flavor of the week on a previous episode just here recently. It was episode 222. And we just pointed to the fact that, A, that this research was available, and B, that there were a couple of those personas within that research that really stood out. And in that little uh, monologue, uh, we talked about the positive preventives and the whole health managers, so kind of a couple of new ones. But I want to back up a little bit and give our listeners a little bit of a chance to get from more familiar with the report. Can you give us the, the one-on-one version of the report? and and kind of walk us through the research and then let's dig into a couple of key findings that you had.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Humanizing brand experience, which we internally and affectionately call HBE, was a, a labor of love that began about five years ago, mostly out of our own intellectual curiosity as a leading healthcare brand experience shop We wanted to make sure we were understanding the latest from a consumer perspective. So the study itself is, is done annually. It includes broader trend analyses across a national audience, but we also do specific deep dives into markets where we evaluate brands and their delivery against a broad portfolio of experience attributes. It is not a satisfaction study. There are lots of those out there, but this is meant to be a broader perception study that's through that consumer lens to the topic we're, we're digging into today. What are the associations that people have, the strengths and weaknesses in the minds of our consumers? about our brand and the experiences that we're delivering. So we are in the midst of planning our sixth volume of the study. It'll actually go out into the field for data collection next month. We're up to about 30,000 consumers that participate and about 250 total brands that will end up getting ranked. So it's, it's become, from an annual syndicated research perspective, an incredibly helpful tool, not only looking at how your brand is performing, but also putting it in the context of not just local or regional norms, but national norms, and thinking about how some of these metrics, priorities, et cetera, et cetera, have shifted over time, especially from a pre to an end to a whatever we call this COVID time now.
0: Right. I'm not even sure what, we, what the name is for at some point. <laughs> Which of those personas? do you want to start with in terms of any key findings about them and just like what, what describes them? When you
1: start to think about the audiences that we define within our segmentation, we've, we've run a segmentation on this data twice now. And one of the things that's important to consider is that this is not a demographic segmentation. As y'all probably talked a bit about, this is an attitudinal and a behavioral segmentation. So we're looking at the shared attitudes that people have, the shared behaviors and orientations they have to healthcare, to the industry as a whole, and to the brands that they're engaging with. One of the groups that's most interesting on our minds is a group of people called healthcare influencers, actually a third group compared to the two you were teeing up. And this is a segment that has a a disproportionately large influence on the people around them in terms of their healthcare perceptions and ultimately decision-making. And it's interesting for us because so much of our own consumer decision-making, despite the fact that we probably don't want to admit it all the time, we are so meaningfully influenced by our social circles, the people that we spend time with, the content that we consume, where that content comes from. And these healthcare influencers are really interesting for healthcare leaders because you start to think about your direct engagement with them and then their ability to create buzz on your behalf, to create a positive story or a sense of advocacy among the circles that they create. So it starts to set up some interesting questions around micro-targeting, almost influencer strategy types of, of approaches that we might want to engage those healthcare influencers and see how our brand courses through some of these social connections and cultural connections in a different way. It's a very different approach to marketing and consumer engagement than has historically driven many healthcare organizations in the past.
0: Well, it sounds like that tends to be based on the fact that you, we have to drop some assumptions that we've lived with in the past, such as, well, healthcare is always local, so everyone's just going to automatically gravitate and associate, hire a brand of the, the community health system, where... That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. <laughs> like You can't assume it, I guess. Sure, it still happens plenty of the time, but the fact that you might need to work with influencers and that that can benefit your brand, that does feel like a relatively new discussion out in the industry compared to other ways that we've approached a healthcare brand in the past. So yeah, that must have been an interesting one to to come up.
1: And the, the other part, if we build on that a little bit further, is that to your point, just being there is not enough. Historically, it was for many healthcare enterprises. But when you look at the proliferation of regional and super regional organizations, the continued merger activity that's happening within the industry, despite a, a pretty messy economic climate. And then you look at some of the disruptor brands. You know, one of the things that we evaluate, started doing about three years ago in the study, is evaluate a group of brands we call disruptor brands. And these are organizations like Parsley Health and Forward and Heal. And one of the things we found for these brands that aren't often saddled with hospital-based infrastructure, you know, if you think about their physical plan, they're predominantly digital brands. Many of them are oriented to very specific parts of, of our population and have a level of flexibility and orientation to a virtual experience. Those brands, in fact, seven of those brands Outperform the strongest brand in the entire study. So again, we ranked most recently in our published report 201 brands. Cleveland Clinic was the strongest brand experience that we evaluated. There are set, not one, not two, but seven disruptor brands that absolutely surpass the Cleveland Clinic in terms of their brand experience delivery. So it starts to tee up the, the importance of considering as well that 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 localness, that local connection is not nearly as important because you have very non-local brands that are making a huge impact on the consumer mindset and on the industry as a whole, especially as they start to scale up. A good example um, comes to life in those whole health managers that you mentioned, because when you think of those individuals, they are typically responsible for the health and the care and the wellness of let's call it the the micro-community around them. So that could be their nuclear family. That could also be somebody that they're caring for outside of that nuclear family, uh, an aging parent, as an example. And those individuals have a huge variety of health care needs when it comes to the tactical execution of the episodic care that you were describing. But what's interesting is that if you go beyond those episodes The things that they want from a healthcare brand haven't changed all that much over time. That's one of the most interesting things that happened is in our evaluation of the data pre-COVID to now, is that the fundamentals of what people want from brands, whether you're older or younger, whether you have an established relationship with a brand or not, whether you have a chronic condition or you don't, whether you're in a rural community or an urban one, the fundamental things you want from a brand haven't changed. What's changed is the mode or the manner or the channel that you want to engage with that healthcare brand. So the pressure is on healthcare leaders to define a a stretchy enough idea around their brand that it can apply to these fundamental needs that have been consistent. But then the execution of that brand, the delivery of that brand, that's the part that has to adapt. Whether we're thinking about how we, we flex to virtual care delivery, how we think about getting into homes how we get into self-care and the fact that so many more consumers are choosing self-care for some of the options and research that they're doing before they count on us as healthcare leaders to provide that expertise. So we've got to find this balance between kind of anchoring to the fundamentals, but then flexing how we deliver that care based on the channel or the manner through which, you know, that whole health manager, as an example, is getting care for themselves versus their kid versus an aging parent.
0: Yeah, I've heard brand activation described recently as an evolution, and it's no longer just empowering or educating a patient to navigate them through the complexity of the system. It's improving the system. It's simplifying the experience itself, not just giving them all the steps, but it's actually reducing the number of steps themselves. And I think that's such an important distinction, especially when, like you said, if it's for one of those whole health managers who's not just influencing or navigating on their own behalf, but on behalf of others, whether it is in their family or community, like you said, it's so important. And, you know, I think about just marketing and branding overall, that that really is an important component of creating a consumer first experience. I wonder if there are any case studies out there of organizations that are using consumer research or just so focused on improving the experience for patients and consumers, anything where you can point to again, this kind of falls under. It's helpful to know what other people are doing, and, and those who are doing things well. Is there anyone you can point to to help us just think of this these ideas in
1: action? Absolutely, there are organizations that are that are doing a great job at at uh, both more comprehensive consumer experiences, but also on very specific high-functioning, highly impactful parts of it. And if we start maybe from the the latter perspective, the folks at OSU Wexner Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio, do an incredible job of monitoring the things that that consumers are talking about from a social listening standpoint, from an understanding of how people are searching for health-related content. And they very specifically tailor the content they're creating to the conversations that consumers are having. It requires that they're oriented to listening, that they have the tools and technologies to be able to listen, and then the, the capacity to create content against it and rethink, kind of constantly rethink how that content gets deployed to those very specific audiences. So for them, it's, it's all about beginning with that orientation to listening. I think there's an organization down in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana called LCMC Health. That's all about delivering what consumers expect to be different in healthcare. So, LCMC Health is all about delivering extraordinary experiences in a world of ordinary, because that's what people want from healthcare that we aren't terribly effective at delivering. So, they've done an incredible job in empowering their people to take action that makes the interpersonal interactions of service interactions extraordinary. So it's built upon this idea from a consumer mindset that their brand has to deliver extraordinary, and then they find ways to empower their people to do it. The other one we'd throw out there, it's in that disruptor category, but for most of the country, you could go and shop this brand, and that's forward. So Forward is a membership-based model. They do have some physical locations, but also virtual locations as well. If there's one takeaway I would encourage all of your listeners to think about is that for these disruptor brands that are building this really strong consumer connection, just go mystery shop them. Sign up. You pay that monthly fee, but experience the things that they're delivering because they're making such an incredible impact. Whether it's making appointments incredibly easy to schedule, or reducing the time between a need and actually seeing a, a human being, the content that gets provided along the journey, so that we're interacting with people and providing them with support along the way. I mean, there's just some incredible touches there that you could think about, kind of lifting one piece at a time and starting to implement uh, brick by brick within your your organizations and enterprises.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing those. It really does help to put some of these things into practice and help us visualize the types of things that it really does take to make progress here. And speaking of progress, I'm wondering if we can look out to the future just a little bit. I'm just curious what kind of progress you think we can realistically expect in healthcare, in the industry, in the next one to two years.
1: And I think on our minds is is this opportunity just to get closer to our people and we mean that in a kind of multifaceted way. One of the unintended consequences of, of COVID was this continued distance, both physical but also maybe metaphysical in many ways, between the various communities and audiences we serve. So that's talking about our workforce, that's talking about our our patients. That's talking about our consumers and our communities at large. I think for us, the biggest thing that's going to to happen and shift in healthcare, and I think we should all be prepared for it, and, and in many ways chasing it ourselves, is this orientation to getting closer to people. So understanding what does our workforce want from us in today's environment? How do we connect and engage people in ever more positive and productive ways so they can be ambassadors of our brand? When it comes to patient interactions, there's distance there. How do we get a bit closer or return to that closeness, that intimacy with the people that we serve as they're interacting with us, even if it's not in a physical setting and it's a virtual one? How do we create that intimacy in a virtual setting? And then the third is is getting closer to our consumers by listening, by tailoring our stories to intersect in the places in their lives where they expect it, where we tell stories and and communicate priorities that are oriented to what our communities want because we're closer to those communities and we understand what they expect and the challenges that they face. It all becomes this notion of getting closer and closer to people or this, this notion of intimacy, both within our organizations, but also outside of it. I think that's what's going to shift most over these next let's call it 24 months. Any other trends that we haven't mentioned that you're paying attention to right now? I think some of the most interesting things happening that either are outside of it but coming into it are, are one, the orientation to how best-in-class glo- global brands manage their brands, govern their brands, make decisions around brand. In healthcare, we've all, we haven't always been as disciplined as we could be in decisions around brand. Often decisions get made based on politics or a physician with a perspective that's maybe different than the strategy at play. So one of the trends on our minds is how do we bring some of those best-in-class brand governance principles into decision-making structures within healthcare organizations? Also from the outside in on our minds is this continued influx of ideas, expertise, and even people from outside healthcare that are starting to move into Healthcare roles in marketing, in experience. It helps to set up that there's a different kind of mindset and a different kind of capability. That's coming to bear, that's being brought to bear on healthcare challenges. And you see that at, at places like UC Health here in Colorado, organization led by somebody, a marketing organization led by somebody from outside of healthcare. There are a number of other places around the country where, where that's happening as well. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially as we think about continuing to improve and improve our capabilities, but also deliver those marketing and brand capabilities with ever fewer resources, which feels like a pretty common challenge for many leaders.
0: What's the best way for listeners to connect with you if they like more information about you, and is there a place for them to get a copy of
1: the report. Yeah, absolutely. Best place for me is, is on LinkedIn. We share all of our content through mostly that channel, and we can absolutely, in the show notes, put a link to the report so you can download it. Our intention is to to give away this content. I think we're it's not meant to replace anything or compete with something else. It's just another resource and complement to all of the great data that many organizations across our industry are delivering. So happy to, to make that available to anyone, and there's a contact info there if we want to do any follow-ups.
0: Well, Justin, thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Best of luck in everything you've got going on. And, and thanks again for joining us.
1: No, thank you for having me, Jared. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Take care.
0: Thanks again.